You are listening to Bear in Mind, the University of Northern Colorado's official podcast. Join us each episode as we listen to the voices from UNC faculty, staff, students, and alumni as they offer insights of local or national importance. This is your host, Dan N. Cox, bringing you just a taste of UNC. So growing up, I always liked being outside. I always liked nature. I always enjoyed just watching kind of and observing the world around me, but I didn't really know that I wanted to study birds. That came later. I sort of fumbled around for a while. I went to college and I had no major. I didn't know what I was going to study. And then a couple semesters in, I took a biology class and I thought, wow, I really like this. And then I got a summer job where I spent that summer on the beach watching birds as an intern for the Audubon Society. And it was pretty great, especially because some of the birds I was watching were these adorable birds called piping plovers. And they have chicks that, if you've never seen them, basically look like a little cotton ball on two toothpicks and then another little cotton ball for the head. And it's just about the cutest thing you've ever seen. So my job was to wander around the beach looking for these chicks. And I thought, this is a pretty good life. I, I could do this for a living. So I really started getting interested in birds and uh, I ended up studying birds for my undergraduate and then I did a graduate degree in that and now here I am studying birds uh, for my job. So I'm really interested in birds and in particular I'm interested in bird song because bird song as a kind of natural phenomenon is probably the closest system we have to human language in terms of the complexity of that communication. And birds, I mean, we all know the birds sing. You hear them outside your window every morning. Sometimes you're probably happy to hear them. Sometimes you might not be so happy to hear them. Um, but they are really saying a lot of things to each other with those songs. And I started getting interested in what they were saying and at what times they say it and when it sounds different and who says what. And those are the kinds of questions I ask with my research. And I'm, I'm really interested in a couple of species. I do my work in Colorado studying right now canyon wrens and rock wrens, um, which have really fascinating songs. Rock wrens, an individual bird, can sing up to about 130 different song types. So you can imagine that's kind of like if you were a, music a musician playing 130 different pieces. Uh, and they sing them in kind of surprising orders and variable times and in variable ways. And one of the big questions that drives my research is, why have all that complexity and why do you use it in the way that you do? For a rock wren, each song is a couple of seconds long. For birds in general, there's a huge variety in the songs that they sing. So some birds sing songs that are, you know, even less than a second long, and other birds will sort of chatter on for seconds at a time in one long continuous song. And that's another big question in bird song: is um, are those songs communicating the same thing, or are they communicating really different things? And it's pretty interesting to see if you think of, say, a robin outside your window. It basically says, "Cheerily, cheer up." Cheerily, cheer up, and it has these short little phrases.
If you have a chickadee outside your window, it says, Spring soon. Doo -doo. Um, but if you have a mockingbird outside your window, he'll sing all kinds of things and he'll just chatter on for minutes at a time. And one of the species that I'm studying locally, the canyon wren, so not the one that sings lots of song types. Canyon wren males only sing maybe three or four different song types, and canyon wren females also sing. And I've been looking at this in collaboration with a couple of my graduate students here, trying to understand when and why the females sing. And the female song is really interesting. It sounds pretty different from the male song. The male is kind of a descending cascade of notes. Two, 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 two. And the female is this rising, buzzy And because they sound different, the male and female then can really clearly indicate when they sing, hey, I'm a male, or hey, I'm a female. And it seems as though the females really direct their songs towards other females. And that unique sound is a signal that warns other females to stay away off their territories. I've also studied groups of birds called warblers, which are wonderful, colorful little birds that migrate through Colorado, and some of them breed here. Uh, I've studied African birds. I've studied birds in Western North America, and uh, I've studied birds, I've done kind of surveys across very large areas as well. So I'm interested in lots of birds. And actually one of the large scale projects that I'm particularly invested in right now is trying to get better documentation of the songs of female birds because in North America, the majority of songs that you hear come from male birds. And people in general have sort of dismissed females and said, oh, they don't sing at all. It's not important. If a female does sing, it's just that she's sort of made a mistake and copied the male. But in fact, the more we study this, the more we learn that females are singing songs in really interesting and important ways. And they will sing to attract males. They'll sing to defend territories. They'll sing to coordinate parental care with their mates. Um, and so I've worked with a group to try and develop a citizen science project where we're trying to get people to document female song better. It's, you can check out this project at femalebirdsong.org. And if you go there, there's a lot of information about what songs we're looking for and how people can record those and where you can upload those so that they can be archived really for posterity and scientists then can have access to them. And, and also the general public can have access to them because we think it's really important that the public get a sense of all the diversity of birdsong and particularly female birdsong as well. This has been going on for a couple of years now. The, the website's only been up for maybe about a year or so, and we've already had great contributions from citizen scientists all over the world. It's pretty exciting. Um, although female song is kind of rare in North America, it's pretty common in the tropics, so we get lots of great contributions of female songs from South America and Africa and Australia, and really it's, it's a worldwide project and it's been pretty exciting to see these things come in. There are lots of great spots in Colorado for birding. And there's also a really active birding community here, which is fantastic. So there's the Colorado Field Ornithologists group, there's the Denver Field Ornithologists, there are Audubon societies in many of the big cities in town. And some of the really great places to go birding are 
uh, at Bar Lake State Park, for example, where in the fall they have a banding station and you can watch as they capture migrants that are coming through. If you go to the banding station, they catch birds in these nets called mist nets and you get then a really up close look at these birds and they put a little metal band on the leg of each one, they release it, and hopefully in a year or two they might catch it again and get a sense of how long it lives or even better, someone at a banding station far away in, say, South America might catch that bird, and then the little metal band will tell them that that bird was banded in Colorado, and in that way we can track the migratory routes of all the different birds that pass through. My name is Lauren Benedict, and I am an associate professor in the School of Biological Sciences at UNC. I came to UNC because I really think it has such a great blend of teaching and research. I get so much support and uh, really I get lots of access to the outdoors and I can do wonderful things for all my research on birds, but at the same time I spend a lot of time in the classroom and I get to interact with lots of different students. So I interact with students all the way from freshman undergraduates up through PhD candidates and all of them uh, have really interesting thoughts and really help me to develop my ideas, which is fantastic. So I get to teach a class on ornithology, all about birds. I get to teach a really fun class on animal behavior. And then I teach an introductory class on organismal diversity, where we talk about the diversity of all life on Earth, which I really enjoy. So it's UNC, I think, is a, a unique and special place in that it has both that really great kind of personalized teaching style and all of the research and the kind of feel of a big university there. <laughs>